Before we start this podcast, I'd like to remind you that when you're building your maker business, it's helpful to have both a business plan and a brand strategy. At georgesupplyco.com, I've spelled out all the parts of a brand strategy, including pre-purchase, in-purchase, and post-purchase branding in a free post titled, How to Build a Brand Strategy. You'll find a link on the front page of georgesupplyco.com. Welcome to the Business for Makers podcast, brought to you by George Supply Company. Each episode, we explore topics you need to know to grow your maker hobby into a maker business and brand. I'm Scott Shermans. This week, we get a wealth of actionable tips and tricks about markets, fairs, and festivals from Leah Parker of Parker Place Woodwork. Let's begin with the Business for Makers News Desk. As always, we start with lumber pricing. TradingEconomics.com reports that lumber futures continue to hover around $500 per 1,000 board feet, close to its four-month low, due to continued decreased demand as mortgage rates are at the highest level since 2002. And the Fed is hinting at possibly more interest rate rate hikes by the end of the year or early next year. In social media news, now while this may not be maker-related news necessarily, this is an example of how the European, European Union is forcing change to our social media experience. Meta outlines advanced efforts to combat misinformation around the Israel-Hamas war, according to socialmediatoday.com. As the Israel-Hamas war becomes more intense, digital platforms are increasingly being used to disseminate critical information, both within the impacted regions and to audiences in the wider world. As a result, Militant groups are looking to use these social platforms to influence such messaging, possibly to sow dissent and confusion, which each platform now has a responsibility to mitigate as best it can. And with the European Union's new regulations on misinformation that are now in effect, the major platforms are already coming under scrutiny, with the EU issuing notices to Meta. X, and TikTok to remind them of the new, more stringent obligations. As a result, the EU officials have already announced an investigation into X, while Meta has has provided a full overview of its efforts that are in line with the latest EU requests. In response to the EU's request for more information regarding its crisis process, Meta says that it has, number one, established a special operations center staffed with Hebrew and Arabic speakers in order to monitor and respond 
to the evolving situation in real time. Two, it's implemented limits on recommendations of potentially volatile content. Three, it's expanded its violence and incitement policy in order to remove content that clearly identifies hostages, even if it's done to condemn condemn or raise awareness about the hostages. Four, it's restricted the use of hashtags that have been associated with content that violates its community guidelines. And five, it's restricted the use of live for users that have previously violated certain policies. Meta notes that it's also prioritizing moderation of live streams from the impacted region. These more advanced measures will give EU officials in particular more understanding of how Meta is looking to combat false and misleading reports in its apps. And they'll need to assess these against the new Digital Services Act criteria of the EU to monitor Meta's progress. And now, my discussion about markets, fairs, and festivals with Leah Parker of Parker Place Woodwork. All right. Today, we're talking to Leah Parker of Parker Place Woodwork on Instagram and the brains behind the Markets, Fairs, and Festivals Instagram series. So welcome, Leah. Thank you, Scott. It's nice to be here. So those for, not, for those not familiar with your work, it looks like you do cutting boards, charcuterie boards, some giant-ass scroll saw signs, some mallets. <laughs> what am I missing? <laughs> uh, hey, I just did 25 kazoos the other day. And that was a blast. Is that what those? Yeah. Is that what those were? I saw a picture and I didn't know what they were. Kazoos? Yeah, wow. you know. It worked. I have a. They they still did fantastic. And what was even greater is that they were like ingrain kazoos, which I don't know if that can be fancier than that. So. Nice. Yeah. So, is there a special hardware for those that you buy? You know, or it's just all I, wood. It's all wood and you make a little topper and then you sandwich a, like a trash bag in between it and then you just get to, to blowing on it and it's really not a whole lot of science, just a lot of fun. It's a kazoo, you know. That's, that's cool. Super cool. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's bust right into it. Um, you've spent some time now communicating with other makers about tips and tricks regarding their market operations. So I have a few questions from the various uh, editions you've done so far of the markets, fairs, and festivals. So from edition, way back in edition one, how, what did you learn about how you choose markets to do and what other people, how they choose um, which ones to do? There was a, so I came into this question with very limited knowledge. I'm from a small town in East Texas. Um, the only markets I currently do are small town East Texas markets. They just happen to do it really well. But the reason why I posed the question was, was there something that I'm missing? Um, and so when I posed the question, I knew that I would glean information from some bigger cities that have a lot more diversity with what they offer makers like myself. Um, and I, I do have neighboring cities that I could explore those options. But I think what I learned the most was, that when you're choosing your markets, 
you need to know who you are first and what you want. For those that have a lot of different um, options out there, again, that's not necessarily me, but there are certain markets that I've gleaned from friends on the internet that did better to suit their wares. So art festivals and art um, markets and fairs trended to be better for many of the people who chimed in. And they are also people who have similar items that I sell as well. Um, but the, the other huge thing that I learned was pop-ups, pop-up markets. That is a great place to be able to get seen more because you don't have a whole lot of competition at a pop-up. So I'm talking places like coffee shops, breweries, um, any small where there is an event going and you can tag on to it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I learned a lot that that's a great place to be able to set up shop. Interesting. Very. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's some, um, I guess it's a farmer's market near us also mm -hmm. where people will set up a shop, uh, mm -hmm. a pop-up. Well, that sounds awesome. And I could definitely see with the art fairs, you're getting a, somebody who might be willing to appreciate a product for its artistic value as well as its yeah. utilitarian and yeah. maybe not look at that $500 end grain <laughs> cutting board as just a cutting board. Right. So that's yeah. interesting. It the, the folks, uh, it was rumored that the folks that are going, their motivations hinged heavily on how they spent their money. And, um, and so looking at the markets that, that I have exposure to, it, I stopped looking at how many people are attending and I started looking at why are they attending. And it helped me call out a lot of uh, options that I thought maybe I should push into this. And it, it helped me second guess it in the correct ways. It kind of almost goes back to uh, Instagram followers mm -hmm. and, you know, it's all fun and games to have 50,000, I'm sure. But if yep. 49,000 of them are bots and they're not your customers, yep. you really have exactly. anything for yourself. Yeah. Yep. Are you cultivating the following that you want, the people that right. you want to interact with? Yeah. Yeah. Your people, your tribe. Yeah. So um, also from that addition, so how many... Are fairs and, and, and events are you going to now? And what, uh, what did you learn about how many other people are going to? <clears throat> so I kind of, for myself, let me answer myself first. I go to uh, two, maybe three during the market season. I have one higher end uh, market where I'm one of three vendors. And they um, this particular market has uh, twice a weekend, every month um, venue. And they bring in tons of people to this venue and then they rotate vendors throughout the year. So I'm able to participate once a year. Um, so that's my high end market and I get to go to that in March. I used to do a big market in Texas called Canton, um, which was a great, the way that I got into it was just completely ridiculous. And I, I actually taught the guy who owned the entire market, which was miles and miles of vendors. I'm talking thousands of vendors. He owned the entire town. I taught his granddaughter and they were able to give me one of the prime spots back whenever I was doing pallet wood and wall decor. And I was actually able to put my husband through his second degree just off of what I would sell in a weekend at that market. And now this is pre, yeah, this it was, it's impressive. The things I was making and how much I was making off of it, but it, it went to show me that particular ven venue with the foot traffic with the motivations, even 
what I consider a lower end product that I've made to be able to get that type of, of retail off of a weekend was insane. But now three kids later, I have very much smaller markets that I do. They're normally half day uh, with exception of, of the bigger one that I have in the spring. Um, but what I learned from some of the other folks, the bigger city folks, uh, markets are really competitive. They, when you are able to get a spot, a good spot, you have to keep that spot every year or um, there was just a lot of kind of elbow and edging that they had to do to get into these better markets. And um, and then not even to mention all the rules and the red tape. Uh, I learned a lot that yeah. small town yeah. is a little bit more kicked back, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, I yeah. imagine. Yeah, especially, yeah. you know, lic- maybe t- temporary licenses that have to happen. And oh, yeah. Uh, showing, like, having a sales tax license, you don't just grab stuff out yep. of your garage and just go. They, they want to know you're a business. That's yes. And, and copycats. I learned that if, um, if you bring a product and it sells well and the guy down the road sees it, that next time that you're at that market, you might see that guy carrying your product. Everybody has that eye out, which is so funny because I feel like the Instagram maker community, we are so you have things like that happen, but it is such a different community than than the rumors that i've heard of some of those markets right yeah in yeah. in instagram and in the community we'll make it and if you want to make it we literally tell you how to make it and show yeah. you and make a video and yeah. here's how you do the same thing i just did because there's enough mm-hmm. for everybody exactly um, yeah. that's interesting but but it's a little different when you're showing somebody 14 states away versus the guy who's going to have a eight foot table six feet away from you. And you're both now there's a price competition. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, From addition two of markets, fairs and festivals, you asked for uh, feedback on table setups, U shaped V shaped. I mean, uh, I shaped something else. All the letters. (laughs) <laughs> All the letters. What did you learn there? Um, so displays and, and your setup, the way that you approach getting there, getting set up. I, I think I like that conversation the most because I think that there's so much creativity that goes into it. And there's the aspect of how can I get the most of what I have? How can I catch your eye? And um, so I learned um, the reverse pack. So when you pack your truck in reverse, so whenever I had not been doing that and I feel so shameful, like that's such a practical thing that I wish I would have thought of. Yeah. Um, but so many people came in with just gems of, 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 you know, these tips and tricks on pack your stuff backwards, use your crates that has your product as your, also your display so that you get height on your table. Sure. Um, yeah, so things like that, and then even down to the other hot topic that we uh, spoke about during that one is like packing your market bag. So having all your extras in seconds on zip ties. I learned that Velcro ties are way smarter because you can reuse them. Um, so there was that part of the setup and your how to prepare to get there, what you do when you get there, but the displays. I think everybody is looking for the easiest, the lightest, the, you know, the fastest. 
Yeah, and, you, have to carry, um, you have to carry everything out of your car. Who knows how exactly. far? Hundreds of feet, hundreds of yards. Yeah. That, and I, being a woodworker, yeah, that's a heavy transaction yeah, for right. whenever you have all the boards. But there, I really, I narrowed down the displays to, uh, besides having your tables, it really comes down to your DIY version, uh, which is what I bring to mind. At the moment, that was the cheapest, fastest, most practical way for me to get a display that I could change up because I, I use peg holes. Um, and it comes with its drawbacks, but I think each one of the options came back with drawbacks. Um, so there's a DIY option. There are the wire grids that you could buy into, but the drawback there is being able to fasten, can it hold your stuff and can you fasten your things to it? And then um, there was this one that I had never seen before. And oh, I wish I could remember the maker that had it because I've only seen one girl have it. But it's a mesh wall system. And you would think that this mesh wall would not be able to hold anything heavy, but she had um, heavy works of, of art hung up all over it. And so it was a, a pretty pricey buy-in, but the look that it gave was clean. It was light to transport. And so hopefully that forum gave all of us, you know, a place to start and a place to shoot for. Uh-huh. Right on. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Okay, then also, from the next edition, edition three, I saw you had a huge uh, sign for payment, right? A great mm -hmm. big, looks like four feet tall for people to pay you. It's got the QR mm -hmm. codes for the, it looked like some third-party apps. So mm -hmm. are you, somebody wants to buy something, are you hand calculating what that's going to be, and then they scan the Venmo QR code and pay you the $78? Is that the logic <laughs> that happens there? I will profess to you, I have I have no shame in my game, okay? I am learning, and it, the hardest part for me is the checkout. I yeah. I will fumble numbers. I I get my customers sometimes to second, like, to check my math. Like, I, uh -huh. public math is the worst for me. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And so with my booth set up, I really don't have, I don't have a checkout booth. And I was having problems with it getting congested. And I had a friend, um, she suggested to me, she said, why don't you try and, and get your checkout information up in front so you can do that outside your booth while other people still shop. Okay. And so, yeah. And so I, um, I have a great relationship with a local print shop. And I called them on a Friday at 9 a.m. And I said, can you get me this sign for my Saturday market? And she said, sure. So I made the graphic. I sent it to her. And um, and they had it hanging outside the door because they closed at 12. And I couldn't get in, I couldn't get there till <laughs> 1. And so they had it hanging in a little bag that said Leah. And um, Welcome to small able... town business. All right. <laughs> yes, yes. It was great. Because you're the only Leah. You're also it the is. only Leah in town. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I dropped you. That's exactly right. And so I was able to get that, you know, that piece mm -hmm. of cardboard, basically. It's just an outdoor sign that yeah. you would put in the stakes. Foam core, and, yeah. Yes, exactly. So I was able to put that in the front of the booth, and it solved all my problems. I still would mistakenly take some payments inside the booth, but I got it to where I would point them that direction and then meet them over there. And, okay. um, and it's, it solved a problem for me. Okay, so you do the math, and then they figure out how they want to pay you. Here's yes. your options. And you're doing, mm -hmm. what was it, Venmo and 
what PayPal? <clears throat> I have Venmo, PayPal, and then I've got Cash on me, and then I have yeah. Square, the card okay. reader. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know what I would do without Square. It's sure. Yeah, it's one. Of, I think it's yeah. one of the best. I would love to know different options, and so I'm gonna. I need a little notepad so I can write down to that needs to be our next form question. <laughs> I think you know there's not much. Well, there's other ones out there. If you yeah. have, if you use QuickBooks, there's a cool mm -hmm. one that integrates directly okay. with QuickBooks. Um, but uh, yeah, Square or Block, as it's called yeah. now, I think is, I think that's pretty universal. Uh, yeah, standard. Around. Yeah. Um, okay, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I also saw on that episode you had a a half day event in Atlanta, Texas. Yes, sir. How long, how long did that take to set up for just a half day event? Well, I might've like shot myself in the foot. <laughs> I showed up at seven and I added, oh, you know, just like three to four more displays to my setup. Um, and really the reason why I did it was I'd uh, left part of my DIY uh, pegboards. I left two of them in the rain uh, months back and it just about ruined them. So I did a quick little paint and refab job on them and they ended up turning out great. I have a reel on it a few, a few reels back. And uh, so anyways, now I had two back panels, two long eight foot tables, and then additional uh, two by eight panels to set up. And I will, I told you I've got no shame. I will also admit I just didn't pack my tables that morning at all. So I show up with all my panels I have no tables. And I look at my husband and I said, oh, Seth, go get the tables. And so he, of course, takes off and then calls me, where are they? And I, we have to figure that out. Long story short, my setup took from seven to nine. It, it like I was setting up the entire time. That's um, faster than I thought. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I was so hustling. Close. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Fast. So we've discussed all these additions and asked you a lot mm -hmm. of questions that you have asked other people. And so you're here collecting all this data about how people are marketing and uh, executing their markets and getting tips mm -hmm. from other people. Did anything surprise you in all this stuff, in all these uh, questions that you ask people? Was anything, I mean, I guess probably the reverse uh, yeah. car loading was probably a big yeah. one. Was there anything like, completely shocking? Uh, I think the first shocking thing, and it's not a thing that I learned. The first shocking thing is how willing people are to share and how many things that I hadn't thought of. Like the, the vast amount of, I mean, I've been doing these, I wouldn't call myself a professional, especially if I'm leaving my tables at home, but there are things that I'm, I've thought about this and there are all these tiny nuanced tricks that make this such a, a more enjoyable experience now having them in my bag. And um, the thing that shocks me the most is how just employing two to three to five different things that I've read, just employing those has already made my next market less angsty, you know? And um, I think a lot of people dodge markets because of the work, because yeah. the risk of failure, time, uh, money, and there's, there's these things yeah. where, Yes. And, I, but if you are, you know, digesting this information as it's coming out, it has already, 
you know, tailed off a bunch of failure that you could have had just by employing the things that, that these people have, you know, suggested. Um, I've also met with just today, uh, I'm going to call him a market expert based off of his eight years of doing markets with a high-end coffee company and, um, and seeing how many other people have the same passion towards markets and then getting them plugged into this forum so that we can share. I didn't expect that. I mean, I, I had a, a 10 minute conversation with a guy who knows vastly more than what I ever will about markets. And he was just so willing and giving with his thoughts. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah. So you're getting all this information. Now, what do you, so you're working on something, right? What's the plan here? You got all this data, all this information, mm -hmm. all these questions, all these answers, tips from everybody and their mother, yeah. experts, <laughs> amateurs. What are you doing with all yeah. this? That's the exciting part. Um, the one minute backstory is I was sick a while back, couldn't get rid of a cold. I ended up getting a, uh, a steroid shot to get over this cold. And it threw my brain into a straight line. And it just so happened the weeks before this fateful steroid shot, um, I had been really disgruntled with my Instagram reach. And I, I got tired of the content that I was doing and the kind of the rat race I was playing at. And I told my husband, I said, I want to start talking about something that I want to talk about. That way, if it doesn't go, if it only sees five people and they talk back to me, at least we're talking about something that I, that I want to hear about. So I shifted, I started coming up with this idea to shift to market season because there's a lot of, of, of things to, to digest in it. And um, so I get this steroid shot and then what happened to my brain was I started thinking about markets and then I went down this deep rabbit hole of what all can we actually unpack here? And I, in 24 hours, I pitched this idea to WorkbenchCon on, hey, if you guys are here to bring content creators deeper into our craft, and how it can marry with what we do at home, then this is a great way to talk about how markets can meet content creators and bring both your social media along as well as your craft further and faster or further faster. Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, I pitched it to them. They loved it. And so now what I'm doing is I'm curating all of this content. I'm pulling from the best minds that I think are here on Instagram. And I'm basically making a how-to on how to approach markets, how it can bring your social gathering, your social media gathering um, further, give you a wider variety of audience, which is that's kind of in the next few places that we're gonna um, that we're gonna start talking about in the forums, and uh, and so I'll be able to present it at WorkbenchCon at the ex Expert Desk. Um, the the that's further exciting. It's exciting. I'm really, I'm happy to be able to talk about it, but I, I'm coming as a host. I'm not coming as an expert. And I, I, I hope folks know that, that I have, I have a lot of secondhand information from other really, really smart people. I'm just the one that's gathering it and giving it one place for people to go. Mm -hmm. um, we have hopes of making an ebook, some way to be able to get hold of this information Um and I'm talking with the Maker Collab about um, how we can get this information to them. If you have a subscription, you'll be able to to get it for free in that forum. Um, so those are a few of the different places that we're hoping to be able to put all this whenever it's done. And then lastly, the other great part about it is everybody who's contributed, I have a log of every name who has commented, who has asked questions. And at the end of it, 
I hope to be able to um, to be able to cite my sources and to get traffic back to the people who had the conversation initially, because um, there's a really it's a treasure trove of people that you can go and follow and then now become part of their following and have these conversations beyond this content. Mm -hmm. People. Fantastic. That's the hope. And yeah. So how far you got a lot of work still to do? <laughs> I do. I do. It right. is like a laughable amount. <laughs> are you going to, what are you going to do? You're going to do like a slides behind you and do a talk. Is that the plan? Are you, how do you envision Expert? this thing? Just curious. No, that's great. Uh, and I like the question because it's I'm I'm developing and talking to different people on what is the best way to present. Now, Expert Desk at, at WorkbenchCon, it, it's not a class that you can take. It's more of a place that you go. It's a, an actual forum. We're going to go sit at a round table. I present this information. I'm going to have some kind of a physical form of it for the folks that show up at WorkbenchCon just because I'm old school and I believe that things need to be touched uh -huh. and you can write notes. And um, so the hope is to um, have the conversation there, present what I've already curated uh, as far as the content for markets, and then continue that conversation with those who are interested in it, in that, you know, workbench con for those two days. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I haven't been, yeah. I want to go at some point. It looks oh, great. please go. You've that would there. be great. You've been. I, I got to. Before. Yeah, I got to go last year with. Uh, okay. I'm actually wearing their shirt. I went with Bear Woods uh, Supply last year, and okay. helped teach all their um, the things that they sell. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. What did we miss? What did we not? Talk oh, good about? gracious! Well, I did just release my newest um, uh, forum. And today is over prices of your products. Oh, that's uh, hard. It is. And I piggybacked because I feel like these two things, they interlock and they overlap. So pricing with products and your inventory variety. Do you bring oh. one high-end, you know, cutting boards, which I saw a guy in Canton, that is all he sold was the highest-end cutting boards and nothing else. And he mm. sold out almost every weekend. Wow. Or are you... I know it was crazy. He must've been banking and, or are you more like me? I try and meet multiple, um, price points, mm -hmm. multiple products with those price points. So I have a high end cutting board and then a low entry way cutting board that, um, that I bring and then down to the smaller five to $10 small ball kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. the reason why I do that, I told a friend today, it is not exactly business based, I like making a lot of different things. I, mm -hmm. if I had to make one niche, I, and I sh I'm sure it looks like I niche down, but hopefully with the kazoo thing that will break that mold of anybody who thinks that I do, I like to make a lot of stuff. So I try and meet a bunch of different customers in that way. And, mm -hmm. um, and it, I'm, I'm probably not, I'm probably more of an experiment than I am like do as I do. How about let's learn from my failures? That would be a better, better way to describe me as a maker. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> we were doing a variety of things and uh, we stumbled upon cigar ashtrays and uh, I saw that we sell a lot of them and okay. Um, well, for us, for the time we have to devote it and right. devote to it. And it's like, it's the only thing we've been able to do for a year. It hardly yeah. gets any. We, in fact, now we're even, we were briefly discussing what we're going to do for Christmas gifts and cigars. Like, we're, we're questioning if we ever have 
time to do even usually we mm-hmm. make Christmas gifts for everybody, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Darn if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. So, <laughs> right? so we just, you know, we, we use different kinds of hardwoods, exotic hardwoods, and it makes them all different. Um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. it is interesting because when you do one thing, you could certainly find ways to get better and better and better and better versus oh. making a bunch of them. But it just depends how much time yeah. you have. And I could see where you know, every once in a while you're like, oh, one more yeah. cigar ashtrays. I'm going to blow my brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, do it, anybody who does markets, they know the word batching. Batching yeah. is either a cuss word or it's a superpower. And a lot of times it's both, you know. Yeah. Um, but I I had a another girl – um, she wanted me to, to add to the list of the, the form list of things that we've talked about on how to prepare for markets. What, what tricks and tips do people have? And I'm, I'm glad she said it because I've, I've the past two years, I've tried to be more efficient and smarter on where I batch. And then now I've gotten to the point where I maintain a certain amount of product at all times. So my mm-hmm. last market, I, I sold three or four five of these little serving knives. Now I know I need to go make three to five more of those to get it back up to where I need to be mm-hmm. for my next one. Yeah. And so I'm never preparing for a market. I'm always recovering from, from one and, okay. uh, you know, bringing my product back up to line. All in um, perspective. I saw you were is. even, you were batching out some uh, scroll saw signs too. You're literally yeah. stacking yeah. up the plywood and just do, you're yeah. cutting two at a time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the, the builder challenge central, they have a spooky edition challenge going right now. And of course I'm getting ready. I really should be making Christmas gifts right now, getting ready for Christmas markets. But I wanted to show that if you are looking at markets to use your time wisely and be smart about it, instead of making one, you make three. So the hour that it took me to cut one, I could have used that hour to cut three at a time. You still have to log in the hours on the back end with the sanding and the finishing. But if batching is the way that you're trying to, or if you're trying to make multiples to get your market set up uh, to have more quantity, I'm hoping to show some tips and tricks on how to do that. And so tomorrow I'll release another reel on how to kind of hack sanding, which I'm not really sure if there's a way to hack sanding. You just have to do it. But um, I did, I invested in better, tools for my craft and it has cut my sanding in half of what oh, it great. used to be about a mm-hmm. year ago. So yeah. surf prep, you do, that's the, yes, the yeah, that is it. Right. <laughs> yeah. You do find out along the way that it's all in the tools. I mean, absolutely. Right? And, and yes. And just when you think you've upgraded, you realize, yeah. Oh, there's a whole nother level above this. Right. Yes. And all right. Yes. And, and there's so much better. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially with yeah. sanders. I feel like that with a sander, whenever you go to one of those higher quality, you want, before you buy in, you want to, yeah, yeah, about all those people who have the fancy sanders. You want to say, oh, they're spinning. They're, but then you get one and the Kool Aid has been drank, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Right. I love them. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us. Aunt Leah Parker, and best of luck <laughs> with your project that's coming up. Uh, we look forward Thanks. to your posts coming up on Instagram. Have a good one. All right. Thank I you. appreciate it, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.
I'm Scott Shervitz, and thank you for listening to the Business for Makers podcast brought to you by George Supply Company. Subscribe to our podcast to get regular insights and tips for building your maker business, and you can get more information about building your brand, selling merchandise, and maintaining your business operations, all at georgesupplyco.com. Of course, special thanks to Leah Parker of Parker Place Woodwork. Powered by Riverside FM.